Hello, Mary Meat, and welcome to the Hedgewitch Herbarium podcast. I'm Kelly Proudfoot, and in this episode, we'll be talking about attracting fairies to the garden. Whether for yourself or planting a fairy garden for your children, the wonderful lore and mythology of both plants and the fairy kingdom are often intertwined, making the experience of creating a magical or sacred space a lovely project filled with whimsy. You don't have to believe in fairies to create a fairy garden. I often think of English country gardens when I think of fairy lore. However, there are many mythologies from all over the world that include goblins, sprites, elves and other mysterious creatures that are associated with a wide range of plants. Fairies were often described as making their homes in particular plants and they were also responsible for taking care of the plants, which included the magical elements. The idea of fairies being the spirits of Mother Nature speaks to their powers, which can include the good, the bad and the ugly. Think of poisonous plants and those that can cause dermatitis or worse. Some plants can be toxic, although beautiful and alluring. This is also a part of fairy magic, if you remember the old fairy tales where mischief and danger was often afoot. Throughout the history of the world, there have been myths about the magic and taboos related to fairy lore steeped in the roots of paganism. Caution was needed to stay on the right side of the fairy folk and to avoid becoming trapped in their dimension. Whenever anything had happened, something bad like a string of bad luck or worse, fairies were blamed. Much was done to appease them by giving offerings, conducting spells or saying prayers, especially if you were seeking their help or protection. It was common in certain parts of the world to leave things like honey, milk, cream and wine for the fairies, but also darker offerings such as animal sacrifice and even blood. This is due to how many different types of entities were considered to inhabit the world of fairies, which includes fairies, elves, pixies, goblins and hobgoblins, gnomes, trolls, dwarves, nymphs, dryads and naiads. The above-mentioned entities were thought to inhabit a variety of dwellings, such as trees, bodies of water, hills, underbridges and even burial mounds. Whether they existed in the realm between the world of humans and the other worlds or the spiritual ether, they slipped in and out of the realms, all of them doing good or causing havoc. Some trees and plants were thought to be gateways to the fairy kingdom, along with other dwelling places. From elder to oak and hawthorn to foxglove, there are countless plants that are associated with fairy lore. Rituals invoking the power of the fairies might include love spells, divination, glamour magic and invisibility. Pagans, Wiccans and some indigenous tribes have rules about gathering the herbs and plants, making sure that permission is asked for and that thanks are given for every root, flower, leaf and seed. Some say that midsummer is the best time to harvest herbs for magic to ensure potency. 
It's the time where the earth is at its peak along with fairy manifestations. There are nine herbs that are thought to be a powerful combination when collected on Midsummer's Eve, although any plants harvested at this time would be brimming with energy. Some say that um, these are the nine herbs required. Mugwort, ivy, yarrow, St. John's wort, plantain, corn marigold, orpins, which is spelt O-R-P-I-N-S, vervain and danewort. I'd like to take some time to discuss the elementals, which can also be considered a part of the fairy kingdom. Elementals are entities who have different powers according to the element they are associated with. Paracelsus, who was a 6th century Swiss alchemist, stated that the four classic elements are aligned with nature spirits who can help with magical endeavours. In the history of mythology and folklore, which of course dates back before Paracelsus, there was often a fascination with elementals. Considered to embody the materials that create nature, the elements were often cited in great works and the exploration of natural philosophy. So, let's look at some of the elementals. The first one is the gnome, who governs the element of earth, and the domain is land, forests, sand and rocks. Gnomes are keepers of the earth who are said to live in tree hollows and enjoy exploring the surrounding flora. Their gifts include protection and assistance with shamanic journeys, divination and prosperity for all living creatures. Offerings to the gnomes can be gemstones, planting sweet gardens and providing shade for wild animals. The next is the salamander, which is the elemental of fire, and of course its domain is fire, and associated with the occult, since they have the ability to put out as well as start fires. It's said that they can be brought forth by keeping a perpetually burning fire for seven years. The gifts of the salamander include passion, protection from fire, inspiration and shape-shifting. An offering could include a simple candle flame or a campfire with fiery herbs like chili peppers thrown on it. The next elemental is the undine, whose element is water. And the domain, of course, would be all waterways, including wells, oceans, streams, rivers and even puddles. Associated with the subconscious, undines are said to be able to hypnotise those who hear their song, and their gifts include understanding your dreams, assistance with emotional turmoil, and prophecy. The best time to invoke an undine is during a full or new moon, and undines or undines can help with contacting spirits, especially if you want to meditate on your ancestors. An unusual offering they would enjoy involves telling an epic story or saga. And then we have the sylphs. That's S-Y-L-P-H-S. That's the element of air and their domain includes the trees and the sky and the wind. 
Associated with song, music, expression and communication, the magic of the sylphs inspires spirituality, creativity, mental dexterity and healing the respiratory system. Sylphs are thought to be the keepers of secrets and hidden knowledge. An offering could include singing, music, herbal tea libations and poetry. The plants associated with the fairy kingdom. It's been said that there are apparently magical plants within the fairy kingdom that humans have never laid eyes on, with rich scents and beautiful colours, although it seems that many of the stories handed down through the ages talked about common plants and the beings associated with them. Some trees and plants are considered to be portals to other dimensions, while others have magical essences to be used in rituals and spells. If you have a plant that you are particularly drawn to, it could be that you already have a relationship with the essence, so take some time exploring its mythology and see what you discover. So the first plant we're going to focus on is foxglove. And its scientific or Latin name is Digitalis purpurea, and it's toxic. It's often associated with fairies, and foxglove has been said to um, produce blossoms that the fairies love since they enjoy crawling into them to sleep. Folk names for foxglove include fairy bells and fairy petticoats. If you see the little spots at the bottom of the blossoms, they might be the footprints left behind by the fairies. You can carry a foxglove flower in your pocket or a charm bag, which is also known as a mojo bag, to bring about protective magic. And that brings us to the common bluebell. Its scientific Latin name is Hyacinthoides non scripta. Also poisonous and found often in woodlands and shady gardens, bluebells are native to France and England. These flowers have been included in many illustrations involving fairies, and to hear the bluebells ring means that they are close or heralding to each other that it's time to meet. Some have said that to hear a bluebell ring is to know that death is also close by. Growing bluebells is a nice idea if you want to attract fairies, since picking them and bringing them inside is believed to be unlucky, and old Irish stories state that it's bad luck to travel through a patch of them. Also, if you step inside a ring of bluebells, you could fall under the fairies' enchantment. And fairies love honeysuckle. Um, the medicinal one that I use is Lonicera japonica. Um, many bees, birds and butterflies are attracted to the sweet nectar of honeysuckle and while the unusual flowers are gorgeous, it's important to note that the berries and the leaves are poisonous. Used in love magic, honeysuckle's clinging vines is said to be the main reason for this since they evoke seduction, but the lovely scent and delicate flowers lend their beauty to the spell. When harvesting honeysuckle, leave several flowers for the fairies and honour the plant as one of their homes. This brings us to the elderberry tree, elderberries, um, Sambucus nigra for the scientific or Latin name, 
um, especially used for medicine. And in ancient times, elderberry was considered to be a gateway to the underworld, but it's beloved by the fairies and using elderberry wine as a libation is a way to invite fairy magic. All berries are loved by fairy folk, but the elderberry has a mystical and magical essence. While used in cordials, syrups and baked goods, as well as being a great medicine for immunity and more, the magic of elderberry includes goddess worship and powers of wisdom. Now we're going to look at hawthorn. The Latin or scientific name is Cretaceous monogyna. One of the Celtic trinity of trees, which includes oak, ash and thorn, Hawthorn is a tree of great importance to the fairy realm and it's also a portal to the underworld. While the tree has thorns, it also has pinkish white flowers that are lovely. Often used as a hedge tree, hawthorn symbolises both fertility and death. If you want to connect with the fairy realm, meditate under the tree but don't fall asleep in case you're lost forever. The powers include wisdom, love and purification. Fairies are said to use the dew off the hawthorn to preserve their beauty. Now we'll look at vervain. And the Latin or scientific name is Verbena officinalis. And this is the European vervain we're looking at. In the tradition of Italian witchcraft, vervain has a rich occult history and connections to the world of fairies. This plant is sacred to Diana, considered to be a patroness of witches, and she is also called the Queen of the Fairies. The Druids revered Vervain for its powers of intuition and its link to the other worlds. It's said that the fairies live in the stalks and they bring prosperity to those who invoke them. Now we'll have a look at Rowan, which is in the genus Sorbus, also known as mountain ash, rowan trees found near stone circles in Scotland were thought to be the meeting places of fairies. Rowan is said to be protective against the mischief of fairies. And in the fall, the red berries attract birds and some say that rowan protects against werewolves and vampires. Rowan is also known as the witch tree and has magical properties such as protection and psychic power. The contradiction of Rowan protecting you from fairies but also attracting them is confusing, but the wisdom lies in Rowan's ability to keep the balance between fairies and humans. Now we'll look at the apple. Linked to love, sex and death, the apple has been revered and reviled in many stories throughout history. With other powers such as forbidden knowledge and even sin, the apple tree provides wands for witches and the fruits are used in spells. For example, cutting an apple crossways shows a hidden pentacle. An ingredient in wassail, which is a mulled wine drunk to celebrate the Twelfth Night and Christmas Eve, apples are apparently used in fairy banquets and eating one at Samhain or Samhain is said to give you clairvoyancy. Smaller organic apples are said to be favoured by the fairy folk. Now we'll look at the herb thyme, and I'm looking at particularly the French, which is thymus vulgaris, um, in the Latin or scientific name. So 
The dainty, tiny leaves of thyme are aromatic and the sweet little flowers are adorable. The fragrance is said to attract fairies and carrying a few sprigs is believed to help you see them. This method can also protect against any mischief the fairies might consider. If you sprinkle thyme in your doorways and windowsills, you can attract fairies into your home. The oil can be used to anoint candles and amulets to enhance your psychic powers. Now we'll look at the primrose. The scientific or Latin name is Primula or Primula vulgaris. Used medicinally for menopause issues, primrose is a pretty bloom, often yellow, and in Celtic or Celtic lore, it was said that large patches of these plants were doorways to the fairy kingdom. Symbolising innocence and eternal youth, the saying primrose path denotes being misled, especially by fairies. If you want to attract the fairy folk into your garden, a nice patch of primrose is a lovely idea if you're not afraid of being misled. Now here's some honourable mentions to attract fairies into the garden. Of course, the rose, which is protected by elves, dwarves and fairies and includes the powers of love and mystery. Then we've got Elecampane, also known as Elfwort, which gives access to the other world and includes powers of elven magic and psychic ability. The heather beautiful heather is a portal to the fairy kingdom. Powers of prophetic dreams and shape-shifting are included in heather. And then we've got the blackthorn, which has long been associated with the crone and the dark months of the year, and is also protected by the fairies. So I hope that's a nice little primer for you for attracting fairies to the garden. And until next time, blessed be.